First they think you're crazy, then they fight you, and then all of a sudden you change the world. Berlusconi flatly denies that any mafia money helped him to get a start in real estate. I have I've always had a thing for black people. I like black people. I'm telling you, these stories are funnier than, than the jokes you can tell. And I said, what the fuck is a brain scientist? I was like, that's not a real job. Tell me the truth. But anyway. In five, four, three, two. Welcome to Grub Stakers. I'm Andy Palmer, and with me as most of the time are my friends... Yogi Poiwell. Steve Jeffries. And Sean McCarthy isn't here right now because he is currently in Brazil uh, volunteering with the Bolsonaro youth. Oh. Yeah, yeah. What's he doing with them? <laughs> um, I think he's helping out with some kind of camp. Oh. Yeah. I, you know what? He told me he's helping them create their own podcast down there. <laughs> <laughs> He's lead podcast tech down there, and he's really doing a good job teaching them how podcasts work, <laughs> teaching them the ins and outs and the outs and ins. You know, I saw like some like um, I don't know some anarchist community uh, posting recently. I think it was somewhere in Italy or something. But the header they had were people in like full uh, like bandanas on their face and their head. And you know what they were doing? They were having mics in their hand and podcasting equipment. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So even an advertisement for, or like even an article on anarchist communities is a ha- is a podcast haven. That's a that's a waste. And like, either don't do a video component of your podcast, or uh, don't do don't put on the bandanas. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. <laughs> Uh, but alas, today we are talking about Sarah Blakely, the CEO of Spanx. Ooh. S-P-A-N-X. Ooh. Uh, Sexy. She is a billionaire. She has about a billion dollars, I believe, a little over one. Uh, uh, so buckle mm-hmm. in, because you're going to have three guys talking about women's <laughs> clothing for an hour. Hey, listen, as an overweight man, <laughs> I feel like I should be able to say the most on this show. <laughs> They have male spanks now. Well, I'd never wear them because I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not wearing a, them right now. I, oh, really? <laughs> um, I wear Under Armour, the original man spanks, ladies and gentlemen. Spanks for men that you can work out in Under Armour. I wear Over Armour so that my enemies know that they can't defeat me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but get right into it. Spanks, as you may or may not know, is a garment sold in uh, high-end retailers that slims down the appearance. They have branched out since their original Inception idea, which was launched in 98. Now they currently make bras and underwears and uh, leggings, among many other products that are probably the same as the competitors, but they got the Spanx name on them now. Mm. So basically saying, oh, remember the corset? Let's do that again. <laughs> yeah, right. It was about a $3 billion idea. Or $1 billion mm-hmm. idea. Yeah, not even three, just $1 billion. Just $1 billion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Sarah Blakely, before she uh, became who she is uh, in her childhood when she was growing up, her dad would ask her and her brother every day at the dinner table, hey, how did you fail today? (laughs) And if they couldn't come up with an answer, their dad would be disappointed, uh, which is kind of of cruel and harsh. Well, at least he's not mad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all parents aren't mad, Andy. They're just disappointed, you know? That's the key. We're recording on Father's Day. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot to do my chores. I forgot to take out the trash. Sure, yeah. What? What I You're like? Great, high five. <laughs> Go do it. What I find interesting is that they couldn't just say when he said, "How did you fail?" Like they could say, "I don't know, c- 
coming up with an answer to this question. <laughs> but that one's only going to keep the belt away for like, you know, three, maybe four goes. Did you guys ever deal with the belt? Did you guys ever deal with uh, parental abuse in uh, in in uh, that way? Uh, no, I just got stories of the generation before me. <laughs> that must have been nice. I got slapped a whole bunch. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. I got the occasional, like, SWAT. I feel like immigrant kids in this country are often, they have to deal with this, like, like, I got slapped a whole bunch. My mm-hmm. mom threw spoons at me. You know, just a whole bunch of... <laughs> spoons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Like, a lot of lot of threats of violence uh, is uh, wrapped into parenting. <laughs> spoons. Yeah, spoons. Metal spoons. I guess that's like the getting hit with a bag of oranges type thing, where it's it's not going to injure you like a yeah. fork or a knife, right? but it sends the message. <laughs> yeah, and someone threatening, an adult threatening to throw a spoon at you, regardless of your age, is terrifying. Yeah, Because that's, certainly. you know... Because they're, you know, in my case, my mom's in the kitchen working on stuff, and she sees me doing something. I, here's the thing. The, it's the, not, uh, I will say, it's not terrifying regardless of age, because check this out. I'm going to throw a spoon at you. I'd, I'd be terrified, but that's You're, PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> Did she th- ever throw a spoon in and it missed you and it hit something valuable? Uh, n- maybe. Actually, what that does seem like a possibility. I think once she threw it and it hit, like, the glass on our, uh, uh, the, the uh, fucking the fireplace like we had a gas fireplace i think i hit that once it made like a huge kong it was very funny <laughs> but incidentally though whatever she was throwing a spoon at me for i have no idea what i was doing then because it immediately <laughs> became the moment my mom's throwing cutlery <laughs> in my face <laughs> uh, moving uh you keep at it uh young yogi i'm moving to to knives <laughs> it's, like, it's less cutlery cutlery and more of like scooplery I was also worried about, like, if she'd been cooking with said spoon, mm-hmm. and she'd been, like, mixing spices, or had been in some boiling hot, you know, somber or something, mm-hmm. and then she throws at me. I'm dealing with spoon, but it also burns. So it was a multi-pronged weapon. Oh, shit. Yeah. So it was a, it was a thermal projectile. Oh, yeah. At sometimes, yeah. Huh. Well, if it, well, if it landed on me. You gotta, you gotta get good at dodging spoons in the polywall household. <laughs> 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 so, the Spanx lady... Uh, how she start out? Well, she she's got a dad who wants to find out how she failed. So you know nothing psychologically uh, weird going on there. Right, of course. Uh, where'd she grow up? What'd she do? What's her deal? She grew up in Clearwater, Florida. There's, there's not that much about her upbringing really. It's pretty pretty basic. She went to Clearwater High School. She graduated from Florida State University. She was a mel- member of the Delta 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 sorority, Tri Delts. And uh, where was it? Florida State mm-hmm. University. Yeah. And um, when she gr- uh, graduated her undergrad, she w- was going to try and be a lawyer. That was the first dream. But then she failed her LSAT. And, you know, her dad was proud, but she was she was mortified. Um, but because she failed her LSAT, she decided to just get a kind of uh, middle-of-the-road job selling uh, fax machines for a company. Steve, what was the name of the company? Dunka? Dunka, yeah. How do you fail an LSAT, though? I mean, that's like I don't, failing I the think, SATs. Well, she just got low score. Oh, really? You think it's just a low score situation? Like, she wasn't... I don't think you can fail it so much as just you get a low score. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Well, she didn't get the score she wants. I guess, I, you know, I've never considered that, Stephen. I've never thought that you can't ta- <laughs> fail those tests. I just realized this. I don't know why that's eye-opening information for me, but I've never realized that you could you can't fail those tests. I don't know. She she got too low of a score to get into her, her safety school. That baffles me because those tests can't be that hard, can they? Like you have to have dicked off through college to fail an LSAT. 
Yeah, pro- I mean, you know what? My my sister, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, my, my fiance, her sister um, took the LSAT on a whim and did great on it. Like, literally, she was like, ah, my friends are doing it, I might as well try it, and then, like, did amazing on the test. Everyone's doing the LSAT, so I thought I'd try it. <laughs> I, I assume that, like, the curve, the, like, the the grades are based on the fact that like probably a good third of the people taking it are actively drunk. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh definitely. Drunk and also I mean l- listen, the whole fucking case recently with the USC kids getting their parents to pay for oh, money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you tell me law school kids ain't got fucking money back in their butts? Oh yeah. Like I, I'm not saying there's been manipulated LSAT tests, but I'm saying that if it's a if it's not a pass fail system and it's just a high low scores type of thing, I'm sure you know. And I realized the education system was fucked up when I was placed in um, a class called AR, which was called Academic Resources. Uh-huh. Essentially, you would just get more time for tests and stuff. And I remember one of the seniors was taking a test, and in it, the, the test question was something about like. If the tax rate is this and you make that much, how much money do you have left over for blank or whatever? And the lady literally went, I don't know this shit. I just use TurboTax. <laughs> <laughs> and she was winning the argument, though. The teacher was like, I mean, that's a fair point. You, If you don't know how to do the tax, you know, like, and I was just like, oh, this country is fucked. Like, I am, I am not... I am not ready for the world if this is what we're letting pass. Okay, here's an LSAT question. If Jason places higher in running than in biking and places higher in biking than in ice skating and swimming, which one of the following allows all six of his race rankings to be determined? What? That's, that's something where you just need to write it down on a piece of paper. <laughs> like, that's a middle school level question. Yeah, right, she, right, right. she got bad grades on that. So, because she got bad grades on the LSAT, she instead took a job at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. And she worked there for three months, and then apparently during this period, she occasionally worked as a stand-up comedian. She claims that it it lasted two years, but from this, it looks like she just did a couple of mics. I don't know. What was she doing at Disneyland? I'm not sure. I think that it was just, they don't, nothing that I could find could really say what she did there. But the thing is, is that she could have been anything from, you know... A, the real life Disney princess, to somebody working in back, to even someone in like their accounting offices running numbers. So I know she just said she wanted to be goofy, <laughs> but she wasn't she wasn't tall enough to be goofy. Though. Right, right, right. She she would euthanize the mascots when they get rabies. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so then at this after her job at Disney, she like started working that job at Donka. So sorry, the Donka stuff happened after the Disney job. Bitter. And she, so that job was selling fax machines door to door. And apparently she was good enough that she got promoted to a national sales trainer at the age of 25. Now here's the thing. I don't know if you guys ever bought anything door to door, but it's really, do you want the product or not? Because I, I remember my family had a door to door salesman once and they sold us a Kirby vacuum. I don't know if you guys know about this, but that vacuum is pretty good. It's a heavy piece of shit, mm-hmm. but it works very well. And with fax machines uh, in this era and, and in Florida, how hard is it to sell a fax machine to old fucks in Florida? I mean, really. You just got to convince them it's the technology of the future and that it costs X amount of money. It's not hurt their bank account to sell a fax machine. So I'm, all I'm trying to get at is that this, this a lot of the people have been like, oh, she's such a great salesperson. She got promoted to <laughs> national sales trainer at 25. Uh, that's not fucking hard. I don't think that that's that really that big a deal. I mean, it could have been a, a sell me this pen Wolf of Wall Street thing where <laughs> she goes like door to door and she's like, hey, uh, good news. You just won this contest. You just have to send this form across the country in one hour. <laughs> and they'd be like, 
that's impossible. I couldn't do that. And she's like, it is possible if you had a fax machine. <laughs> Get in on the ground floor of the yeah. fax machine revolution right. yeah. of the right. late 90s. <laughs> she's working this demanding job in the hot Floridian weather. And so she needs to have an undergarment that doesn't suck. And hosiery typically was thicker and like wouldn't cover all of your lines underneath. And so one night she took a pair of hosiery and then cut off the feet parts and just wore that underneath like a white pair of pants. But the problem was it was rolling up and down because of the material that the, that shit's usually made out of. But she, from that moment, oh, this is what I should probably fucking do. So then she moved from Florida to Atlanta. Now, now wait. So it was moving up and down. What do you mean by move? It was moving up and down. Well, like, like so hosiery traditionally is a very uh, stretchy material. And so if you were to cut it off the foot, it would like roll up oh, or yeah. roll down. Yeah, because the entire tension of it is from the fact that it covers your entire your, your legs. Yeah. Oh, so she had to figure out. You said that she like went to a party and was really popular with her like footless leggings. No, 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 not that at all. She went oh. to a party wearing footless leggings underneath her pants, and so ah. she realized like, oh, this is this is fucking pretty great. Outside the fact that this shit's rolling up on my foot and rolling down from my uh, hips and stuff, like we, somebody should probably make this this device. Right, right. And so then after that, she moved to Atlanta, Georgia, with the same company, Donka, and then started developing. Okay. Uh, the concept for what would become the Spanx uh, Corporation. Um, she looked up where a lot of hosiery was made in, and apparently there's a whole bunch of manufacturers in North Carolina. So she hit up a whole bunch I, of... I, I picture her just like sitting you know, at a desk with a piece of graph paper mm-hmm. uh, and then just writing in like big capital letters like desperate immigrants <laughs> plus sewing machine and then drawing a big <laughs> circle around it. <laughs> Not not writing North Carolina <laughs> and then an arrow sign with dollars on it and then her, a picture of her. <laughs> so, you know, she hits up a whole bunch of companies in North Carolina that make hosiery. Most of them turn them turn her down. She probably just doesn't reach the right people, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But then one person in uh, Asheboro, North Carolina, uh, called Blakely and said that he li- he got encouragement from his three daughters, and so he decided to take a chance on her. And that is when they started developing the product. And so this is around 1998, and then so she went to a patent attorney to finalize, finalize her patents for, like, the Spanx and the fucking name Spanx and shit. So the idea was just... Did, was this was the corset thing in play at this point? Well, so that is what this is essentially. So oh. instead of hosiery that ends at your hips, it goes all the way up past your bra or past your you know chest area, so that it slims th- it slims down the entire body. Oh, yeah, oh. yeah, dog. I mean, it like you know, it's just hosiery of the twentieth first century. It's right. re- it's really just like you know, and the entire like leggings, yoga pants type of movement. It it comes from this shit as well because it's all slimming and fucking. It's a foundation garment. Yes, precisely. Yeah. precisely. Well, not just a foundation garment though. It is a overpriced foundation garment. Um, the Spanx, you know, Spanx retail for like one hundred and thirty dollars, one hundred twenty dollars. Some of the newer ones, and so like it, you know. Listen, far be it for me to judge what makes a person look good or feel good in, in clothing, but fucking, you tell me you buy an $130 underwear, I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd look at that like, maybe maybe you shouldn't be doing that. I have spent $100 on underwear once, but it was because <laughs> I went on a tour, uh, and I was going through Portland to San Francisco to a couple other cities, and I didn't pack any underwear, because I got way too <laughs> fucked up the night before. So in Portland, I had to buy a whole bunch of underwear, and there was one place, it was called Underwear for Men, and I'm like, sure, this place only sells underwear, and I went there, and I had to 
take the train an hour later. So, like, I was, like, fucked on time. So, I bought, like, six pairs of fancy underwear. And to be fair, I bought some very nice underwear, but it did end up costing me about, like, $80. It was the worst decision I made in my life. And let's see. We're about 15 minutes in, so I'm just going to say, you know what? You wouldn't have had that problem if you signed up with MacWeldon.com. <laughs> <laughs> they have odor-neutralizing beads that um, fix your dick to not smell like dick. <laughs> I you originally for 120, like you originally said, I think uh, like, I was like, this better be some like Mormon shit. Let me ask you this, Yogi: Could you uh, try it on and send it back if it didn't uh, make your dick not smell so bad? I'm pretty sure I could. Oh well, you can also do that at MacWeldon.com <laughs> underwear. <laughs> MacWeldon, MacWeldon underwear. MacWeldon.com. They're not paying us yet. <laughs> Free advertising. So when she was in her 20s, she called Neiman Marcus executive multiple times per day for about a week and a half. <laughs> she says that she knew from selling fax machines that you don't leave like a message. And then eventually an executive answered the phone and she said like, hey, I'm Sarah Blakely. I made a product that's going to change the way your customers wear clothes and it's going to make a real difference for them. Can I have 10 minutes of your time and I'll fly to Dallas? So she's got the capital to fly to Dallas whenever she fucking needs to and the time to call this fucking random idiot <laughs> every day for a week and a half, right? And then she went into this pitch and then five minutes in she was like, oh, this, this fucking is not working. So then she went to the bathroom and then put it back, put on the Spanx and then came back in the meeting and went, ah, this is what the fuck I'm doing. And the executive was like, okay, I guess that, that makes sense. We'll put it in even Marcus. Um, and oh, then, so basically her pitch was like, I give you more of a boner now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what. In five minutes in, she was like, mm, their dicks aren't hard in here. Ah, let me go put on my Spanx. I feel like, though, that was probably like a planned out stunt. Sure. Uh, maybe. That's a fair Where, point. You know, it's, it's, it's similar to the like. I read about politics for a living, nope, not that but one. I don't really want to do my comedy about that because. It's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot. lot. <laughs> It was, or it's very similar uh, to the nanotainer. Uh, the story of Elizabeth Holmes, where it's like, all right, I just got to impress these old dudes with money. Yeah. And I'll get this off the ground. And at one point, she like, went to Neiman Marcus and didn't like how they were displaying the Spanx. So she mm -hmm. like literally bought, or she brought in her own pair and her own like model mannequin and set it up near the cashier. And in the quote, she literally says, when you're confident, nobody questions what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, she bullies her way into a meeting with the executive, sells the product to them by making them horny, and then even in the store didn't like how they were presenting it and took an extra mile to to get it to the right point. I mean, you know, there's a whole bunch of luck involving her success, but it really boils down to how can I bother the right people to advertise what I want to be advertising? And she did tap into the people that controlled the market she was trying to I'd advertise to. like to speak to, to your, man your manager. Yeah, exactly. Oprah, Kardashians, they all have vast networks of people that are, you know, flaming, that are... F Mad that their latte wasn't made correctly. Yes, precisely. Um, I was going to say flaming the fire, and that's very hard to say when you can't remember which words go where. <laughs> Stoking the flame? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, and fire is a relatively new concept, that's so true. I can see why it would be hard to yeah, find the words. Prometheus. Um, um, <laughs> it's crazy how fast it, it goes from just like... You know, her sewing things and snipping them around in her uh, apartment to it's on Saks Fifth Avenue. Right, right. 
Well, I mean, you know, the thing is, is that it's a luxury undergarment. So the market for them is high-end retailers. And yeah. so it's not that Neiman Marcus, w- w- I mean, it's not that it's such a great product that Neiman Marcus needed to buy. It was just the only one at the time that was doing what it was doing. Oh, um, okay. You see, it was different because uh, one thing that we'll learn from uh, Sarah Blakely's husband in the future is how you got to be different to really pursue <laughs> a good career. More on that in a moment. So um, this it, it, He's very inspirational. He's so inspirational. <laughs> I mean, his music, his speeches. <laughs> I mean, this episode is about Sarah Blakely, but at the end of the day, we're going to talk about her fuckboy husband. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then in 2000, Oprah Winfrey gets a basket of fucking spanks with a letter made from Sarah Blakely. And guess what? Oprah puts it on her favorite things. And after that, it's all fucking money, baby. That was that year in 2000? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yes, it was in the year 2000. So only two years after they basically got started? Just about, yeah. There was like a year of pre-production where she was prototyping in uh, 97, but it took about two years for it to get off the ground. But I think that... Um, Should we send grub stakers to Oprah? <laughs> <laughs> I think she'd send it back with fucking Stedman's jizz. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Can Stedman still jizz? No. <laughs> it's all frozen. <laughs> <laughs> She's just got like a dedicated like a Stedman jizz emporium <laughs> on her property. So then once once Oprah took it on, she fucking started selling on QVC. She started uh, selling it uh, with other stores and then... Apparently, in 2013, they were like, we're going to make a comfortable high heel. And then uh, that never happened. <laughs> that's like an, that's like This a, is the year. This <laughs> is not the year. That's like a fun idea to say and pretend you have, but then to never execute. Yeah, that's a real Elon Musk move. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like people thought it couldn't be done, the comfortable high heel. <laughs> but we're going to do it. And then like a year later, they're like, there's no such thing as a comfortable high heel. <laughs> right, right, right. This is way too hard. Um... So, in all of this Michigan, uh, Sarah Blakely ends up marrying a very beautiful man, Jesse Itzler. And now this gentleman, he is Anywhere a... Anywhere I go, a fly girl will please me. East or West, college girls are easy. That is the Jesse Itzler that we're referring to. He was a Jesse rapper. Jesse James in the 90s. That's right. Uh, that was his rap name. Uh, he created such great hits as uh, uh, College Girls Are Easy. And also, a great song called "Shake It Like a White Girl," and it's it's kind of interesting how they met originally because um, they were both at a party, and then as I uh, surmised, Jesse uh, looked around and then shouted out, "Where are the white women at?" <laughs> that drop is from the beginning of his "Shake It Like a White Girl" music video. <laughs> Their story is like they met at like a some sort of like poker, like a gambling type thing. Oh, really? Uh, and they bonded over. And neither of them knew how to play, play, p- poker. play poker. Oh, yes, the 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 ever loving beauty story. We're both idiots. Why don't we start <laughs> checking up? Um, She's like that song spoke to me. I was so easy in college. <laughs> how easy? My LSAT <laughs> score suffered. Yeah, <laughs> like just looking at these, it's like you just have to be. 
not actively stoned to be able to follow the reasoning of these questions. Yeah, seriously. Like the recent proliferation of newspaper articles and major publications that have been exposed as fabrication serves to bolster the contention that publishers are more interested in selling copy than printing the truth. Even minor publications have staffed to check such obvious fraud. The above argument assumes that, A, newspaper stories of dubious authenticity are a new phenomenon. You know, it's, <sighs> but it's like, this. that's not a tough question. You don't need to know quantum physics to be able to like work this out. It's just basic reasoning. You won't let this go, will you? Anywhere I go, a fly girl will please me. East to West, college girls are easy. So the way Jesse Etzler made a good chunk of his money was from his rap career, but then he also wrote the great uh, uh, NBA, the Emmy Award-winning NBA commercial song, I Love This Game, <laughs> as well as a whole bunch of uh, theme songs for various teams, the uh, New York Knicks song, Go New York Go. You know that great song? Go, New York, go. <laughs> That's literally the chorus of the song, ladies and gentlemen. I, I cannot add too much more to it. Th- that's not it. That's like a commercial series called I Love This Game, and it's got a whole bunch of music. But look up Go, New York, Go by the Knicks, because that actually we should play for the, for the listeners. Because it's a white rapper singing and with black athletes lip-syncing the lyrics. And so it's a great mindfuck of former Knicks uh, going, why Why wasn't this written by Jay-Z? We are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. And if you want to hear uh, a much less popular song about the New York Knicks, uh, subscribe to our Patreon for the James <laughs> Dolan episode this week. He also wrote a song for the New York Knicks that was uh, nowhere near as well received. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Jesse Isler at uh, Jesse James wrote these songs and made a pretty good cash pile from it. But then he eventually with a few friend uh with a friend made NetJets, which was a company that, with that yeah, <laughs> NetJets that essentially would uh allow you to buy into a private plane collective, like a private plane t- townshare almost. Yeah. You can buy shares or just part ownership shares in, of a jet. Where can yeah. you buy them? What? Where can you buy these jet shares? NetJet. From NetJets. From the net. Jet. So you can get the jet from the net? The net jets. The net jet? Well, it was later bought by Marquise Jets, which was owned by uh, Berkshire Hathaway. So we got some Buffett money rolling in as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just wants to own every airplane company. Yeah, I think so. He wants to, sc- he was, wants to own the sky. That was what I took from our episode about him. It's just he he owns all of airlines. Yeah. And that's he why wants they're so shady. Ted Turner wants all of Montana. I mean, it's it's ownership of, of areas. Buffett yeah. really wants the air. I think he just wants a monopoly on airplanes so that, like, he'll fly private and then he'll make flying miserable for uh, the rest of us. Hey, he already is. He already is. Um, but, but, like, he partners with a guy that starts Zico Water and then they get by, bought by Coca-Cola. I mean, essentially, he's in the right place at the right time when it comes to opportunities, when it comes to making some money on the side of his illustrious fuckboy career as Sarah Blakely's <laughs> husband. Yeah, he decides to eventually kind of transition to, uh, it was, from what I could tell, he becomes inspirational speaker Kevin Federline. <laughs> <laughs> yes, precisely. That's kind of true. Yeah. Um, he's written three books, 
if you've if you've seen a guy that does like bullshit motivation speaking, talking about living with a marine for thirty days, that's Jesse Isler. That's this guy's will. Yeah, he's like the king of that kind of bullshit. Like he's on Joe Rogan, and he's like, yeah. So I like I moved in with the monks, right. and like they had me. They have you sleeping. It's called a cell. It's like the size of this this table here, and you sleep on the cell. But like you're able to really get in touch with yourself. And it's like everything he does, it's like how I learned from this very tough experience how to be tougher. And none of and the one like tough experience that he never has in either his personal study or in his own life is just having a regular nine to five job. <laughs> right, right, right. He's like he, it's yeah. never like what I learned <laughs> from working forty hours a week for minimum wage. Well he and also his future wife uh have this thing of like overcoming you know, a large narrative of like overcoming adversity is like the wellspring of personal growth. Yeah, basically. failing on the way to success. Yeah, so like, and even you know, um, Sarah's father asking like, "How did you fail today?" Right. All of that. Well, like they've they've had the luxury of being able to fail many times, but still ultimately being fine. Yeah. Whereas the average working person doesn't have that many opportunities to fail, and you basically have to make it work. And also, the average working person doesn't obsess over their failures right, right. <laughs> when they do. Well, they don't have the time to. Yeah. I mean, a through line with all the billionaires. You might not want to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but a through line with all these billionaires, like Stephen is saying, is that, you know, the opportunity to fail is the only thing that separates them from the regular working class. Because, you know, any, any one of these uh, major failures... I mean, I've never wanted to be an attorney in my life, but if I failed the LSATs, it wouldn't derail my entire life, but it kind of would. I mean, it, it would make me uh, completely question everything I could do with my life. And, you know, this this I do think that uh, a principle in, in um, trying to improve yourself is 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 rooted in a bit of failure, but this, this whole fucking what did you fail in today nonsense, it's like, oh, it's fucking gross. It's also <laughs> like, you know, she's never going to have an answer to the question of like, how did you fail today, where it's like, well, you know, I'm black and I reached for my phone in front of a cop. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And like she has uh, four kids as well. And in one article I was reading, uh, one of her sons is seven years old. And she's asking the seven year old, like, what did you fail in today? And mind you, the seven year old, uh, the name of this beautiful child. Uh, let me just let me just look it up so I can pronounce it correctly, because I don't want to pull a Sean here. Uh, the name of the child is Laser Blakely Itzler. You know, <laughs> that great name for children, Laser. What's her other child's name? Light-emitting diode? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got my son Laser. <laughs> got my other son Strobe. Got my daughter Raygun. Got my stepdaughter Phaser. Disco ball. <laughs> no, her, the, she literally named her son Laser. L-A-Z-E-R. The person that wrote Where the White Women At and the great hit College Girls Are Easy. Where the white women at? Anywhere I go will fly. <laughs> the person that created that helped created a child named Laser, ladies and gentlemen. I just hope that Laser has a family of, like, be- I hope Laser names his kid Beatles and Pink Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> Such a dynamic pairing, Sarah and this guy. And Queen. So, you know, we've talked about Sarah Blakely and her husband and our beautiful son, Laser, but one person that I think should be mentioned when it comes to the success of the Spanx brand is Lori Ann Goldman. Uh, she is 
a investor and a business person that uh, came from R.H. Macy's is where she started her career doing their advertising and launching new brands. And she then she after that, she worked for Coca-Cola for 10 years during the period where they did, you know, three different Olympics campaigns as well as the 96 Atlanta Olympics. And then after that, she came to Spanx in 2002 and helped um, Sarah Blakely get a manufacturer, among other things. So, you know, you want to talk. So, so Spanx started out without a manufacturer. Spanx literally, when Oprah's people were like, hey, we want to see your headquarters and your staff. She had she used literally her apartment and no one else. So she she was sewing them herself. Well, so no, she had a manufacturer in North Carolina that took okay. a chance on her, and that dude was on the hook for making the actual products themselves. Oh, and then her office was just her apartment. Yes, the office was her apartment. The staff was nobody. And in one of the interview, one of the uh, speeches she gives, she talks about. So she was just in her apartment, like every now and then, she'd pick up her phone and be like, "Make them spankier." <laughs> yeah, she was real Howard Hughesing the whole process, <laughs> peeing in bottles and shit. <laughs> She tried to surround herself with Mormons, but like she kind of fucked up the formula and uh, got this is magic underwear. Yeah, <laughs> she fucked up the formula and got Jesse Itzler instead. I think the difference between the magic underwear and Spanx is that the Spanx stuff has actually has holes to pee out of and poop out of and stuff. <laughs> actually, I don't think you can poop out of it. Itzler is a Jewish, but he looks Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> You talk me, tell me the great guy that created rap songs for the '90s looks Mormon, but he's Jewish. I don't know. He's blonde and has these like little '90s nerd glasses. But really, this this lady, Lori Lori Ann Goldman, is the brains to how Spanx becomes what it is today. Because after Oprah picks it up and stuff, there's a good chance they could fall apart. But Lori Ann Goldman, uh, I think believe I believe she helps the manufacturing go from North Carolina to out, out overseas. Is that right, Stephen? Or am I speaking out of turn now? Um, in like the first seven or so years, mm-hmm. they, it was almost all in North, North Carolina. Carolina, and eventually they outsourced gotcha. to uh, elsewhere. Hmm. So maybe it wasn't Lori and Goldman. Maybe I am a fucking idiot. Um, no, no, you, you're right because oh, okay. she served as CEO from 2002 until what 2013. Yeah, she served as CEO for Spanx until 2014. Yeah. Okay, 2002 to 2014. Yes. Yeah. yeah so she. So. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Thank you, Stephen. Yes. You get uh, it. So was Lorian Goldman basically like you know what's the problem with manufacturing in North Carolina is that uh, your workers aren't actively starving, <laughs> and that's just that's too much overhead. If you say go to a country uh, where. They die quickly, but they're also easily replaceable because there's no other source of revenue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can make a lot of these for a lot cheaper and increase, you know. Increase now, your now, my husband was concerned. Are there any college girls in these areas? Because <laughs> <laughs> I need this to be easy. <laughs> Steven, you were telling me that her dad is a lawyer as well. Yeah, well, so he was a trial lawyer. Yeah, I mean, she didn't probably had a somewhat upper middle class upbringing yeah i think that you know when we look at sarah blakely and the billionaire that she is i think it's pretty easy to be like well i mean she's just making fancy underwear like what's what's the problem with that but i think one thing that's unrecognized is the fact that sure she's making underwear that's what she's making money from but the way she's profiting from making underwear is feeding into this instagram social media fucking if you're not thin you're Mm -hmm. a piece of shit mindset that uh, capitalism seems to breed so wholeheartedly and it's just the product itself is so um 
genderized. Right, exactly. Like, uh, based on looking a certain way. Mm-hmm. You know? Also, at the same time, like American, the American obesity epidemic is largely due to just the inherent deregulation of like American food production and how unhealthy American food is. Right. Uh, that, and it's, you know, people, people are from no fault of their own. They're just, you know, they can't afford healthy food. Um, you know, they're becoming obese. It's usually like people at the lower income level who are becoming obese. And it's, it's sort of like if you had like in a, um, in a city in the middle of it, there was like a chemical plant that was spraying toxic chemicals. Mm -hmm. And then someone came up with a billion dollar idea to manufacture chemical burn cover up. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that is precisely what she's doing. I I mean, not to also, you know, to also include the fact that like, you know, we throw away more food in this country than we fucking consume. So you want to talk about how fucking the deregulation of all this shit has, has, has ruined our country and our nutritional values and our food. You know, a product like Spanx, the reason celebrities are endorsing it so much is because it's such a great solution that usually would have taken a fucking computer program or 30 extra minutes <laughs> after after the fucking shoot was done. And I mean, you know, I, I, I'm conflicted because I, I think that a product that helps people uh, feel better in their own skin is good but the need for us to have that is fucking ridiculous and the fact that she's charging an arm and a leg for these fucking products Mm -hmm. is bullshit um it's okay to critique basically like a new wave of corseting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for like the specific genderized violence surrounding it exactly like i mean like corsets from the 18th and 19th century ended up like Fucking with people's spines, yeah, and and uh, rib cages. Right. When I went to the Philadelphia Museum of like medical oddities, Muther Museum, you can see. So what? Is that in German? Yeah, that's how it's it's it, uh, that's how it's spelled. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you go there, there's a skeleton of a person or a woman who wore a corset, and the rib cage is literally like crushed into itself, and it's like literally a circle. It's disgusting. And this fucking body dysmorphia day and age we live in, where if you're not fucking a hundred percent attractive looking at all times, you're you're worthless. Is 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 so goddamn horrible. Here, here's the thing: is I also went to the Muter Museum, but I didn't notice that because. It's also full of jars of deformed fetuses <laughs> <laughs> and formaldehyde. And I remember this. Uh, there was like this little kid and his mother in the Muda Museum. This is just a complete tangent. And the kid's saying very reasonably like, I don't want to look at this. It's scary. <laughs> and the kid's mother goes, no, it's not scary. It's interesting. And it's like... <laughs> No, he's right. This is fucked up. Like, you shouldn't make your child look at dead babies (laughs) for an afternoon. Right. You need to experience the horrors of this history. Yeah. It makes you more well-rounded or something. Yeah, it's like, look at the deformed babies so you can be a doctor. Like, (laughs) this kid's like seven. (laughs) And his mom's, like, making him look at uh, babies born without brains so they have, like, flat heads. And like just their tongue sticking out and their eyes are glazed because they're dead in a jar. Well, the good news is, Anyways, the, is when they went home that night, the mom went, well, son, how did you fail today? 
And the kid went, I don't know. I didn't look at the fucking fetuses that were in front of my face all day today. When you go, when they went to the museum and the kid looked away, one of the older children was like, don't look away. Mother will see you. <laughs> I guess like you could say that spanks don't go that far, but it's still this. It's so it's like the more humane corset, but it's still the same basic idea. I mean, they do. We don't know what what this shit does, but man, listen. In the day and age where everyone knows everything's fake when it comes to how we look, appearance wise, and how we present ourselves. To add another layer of spanks is fucking... It's fucking idiotic. Listen, I'm not saying that scrolling through hundreds... uh, Scrolling through articles and videos on Sarah Blakely, there weren't hundreds of comments of dudes being like, Queen fraud right there, making it so us dudes have to work a little harder to figure out what chicks are hot and what chicks are not. Fucking this this lady right there, all she did was make it so that when I'm at the club and I see a girl dancing, I gotta see the jiggle a little extra hard because it could be spanks underneath there. You don't want no well, you don't want no spanks hoe in your life. Like there's so many comments of guys saying those things, and I mean, as as terrible as all of that is, I do understand. It's just like two terrible sides of society. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it, there's like a you know TMZ bombards Sarah Blakely at the airports from time to time, and. Uh, one of them was like, "Hey, so uh, do you do you feel like you owe the card?" Wait, wait. They catch her at the airport. Yeah, her husband started a private jet rental. Oh, I know, Andy. Still got to go through security. Still got to go through baggage claim and stuff too. Yeah, really? Because yeah. I thought I thought rich people have like their own special airports. They might have used to, but the nine eleven fucking regulated all that shit. I'm pretty sure. Your baggage. Well, they have their they have their own airports, but they also, I mean, you know, they still oh, they TMZ's still, hanging out of the private airports. That and you know, you might still want to fly into LAX or something. Yeah, uh, yeah. And the TMZ reporter is like, "Hey, so like, how much? How, like, essentially, the TMZ reporter is saying, how much money have you made since the Kardashians have started talking about your products?" And the look on her face is like, "I mean." A lot of celebrities are saying what we're doing is great. <laughs> and you know, the last question the TMZ reporter asks is like, hey, is it is it rude to ask a woman if she's wearing Spanx? And Sarah Blake goes, no, no, why would that be rude? <laughs> um, one thing I want to mention is that there's a new campaign that Spanx is putting out. It's like a mom, like a proud of your bump campaign, essentially. I don't know any of the fucking names for this shit. But basically... Oh, that's, that's, that's always the great like marketing thing. Right. But basically, in this one, she did like some sort of a fucking flip book or a calendar, and she had women with their baby bumps paint funny faces and funny items on said bump and like f- take photos of it, right? This woman that's made a billion dollars from, sh- from making people think they're thinner than they actually are is now displaying women's baby bumps and painting photos on them. And now here's the kicker. That's literally a bit from Futurama. <laughs> In Futurama, they have a museum where modern art is painted on fat dude stomachs. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, yeah, when she turns around and plays like the body positivity card, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. <laughs> Which they have been since like, 2016 or yep. so. There's a backlash. Oh yeah, they got right. they got to roll with the new thick craze. Also, if if you wear spanks and you're pregnant and the pregnancy is pretty far along, does that mean the fetus is getting crammed in there? Possibly. Yeah. It means you get a thinner fetus. <laughs> and that's all we want because in this, it's in this constricting country. the nutrient. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, <laughs> it's constricting the umbilical cord. The ba- <laughs> but they come out thinner. The baby is just 
Yeah. Just fucking squish down. You know, down. Now, that it's, now that it's not cool to smoke there. anymore, you got to find a new way to get thin babies. <laughs> Andy was worried we'd make too many sexist jokes on this episode. I'm not. It's not sexist. I want babies of all genders yeah, or non-genders I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm to be thin. That's worse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think that. The moment I found out that Sarah Blakely's son is named Laser, I went, what is this lady up to? What is she really doing with her life? Because my name is Yogesh Polywall. When it comes to having an odd-sounding name, I've been through the gambit. But Laser? Laser with a Z? I mean, I do feel bad for her in that she may she became a billionaire. And her dumbass husband is way more interesting in that he's a public dumbass. <laughs> and he just has like this dumb guy vibe to him that's like uh, just like he's on Joe Rogan with talking hair, about meeting with monks, hairbrain schemes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, like yeah, he's this guy who fell ass backwards into all this like fame who started out with this shit Anywhere I go, a fly girl will please me. East to West, college girls are easy. And now he's on, like, the official Dumb Guy podcast experience, talking about training for mindfulness with monks. Right. Like, that's, it's, it's just such a beautiful Dumb Guy progression. And, like, if you go to, like, Sarah Blakely's fucking Instagram feed, it's all that fucking basic Instagram bullshit where it's, you know, selfies with coffee and, like, littered with aphorisms of, like, if you want to be great, all you have to do is try every morning, you know, just shit like that. And it's, like, (laughs) you know what, like, the thing I hate about it is that there are legitimate aspects of feminism that I I truly hold to my my core, like uh, Peggy Seeger, I was going to be an engineer. And when that, this new age type of, like, anyone can do what they want if they're pretty type of rhetoric is so fucking frustrating it's just mm. it's just fucking bastardizing an entire movement that's based on intelligence to, to make it be about being pretty it's uh, also like they take the fact that um you know for a lot of society women were denied power you know as a guy i think i'm an authority on feminism yeah, of course here. i think so uh, <laughs> they take like you know how for centuries women were denied power and then what they change it to is that like being ruthless and powerful must be a feminist quality Mm -hmm. and not that the problem was people abusing power right of course yeah it's the uh power has never been the problem it's been the problem that people haven't used the power correctly it's like no that power corrupts all it's pretty pretty straightforward yeah yeah jeffries you got some i just think we like this is like so related to corsets specifically Mm -hmm. that i think that like the standard feminist take on Spanx has basically just been, it's like, it's, it's a, a continuation of course it's right. And it's okay to critique like that sort of genderized violence around this particular type of garment. And the fact that, you know, people feel kind of forced in a sense to wear it. Definitely. Just to like, just as a part of like, like, uh, maintaining your career mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. and like you know it's a at the very least it's an added cost yeah of just <laughs> just existing yes. trying to have a professional career as a woman sarah you know? blakely says that women often flash their spanks at her so 
you know, th- there's a pride that I'm wearing this as well. But the pride comes from I'm a working woman. I'm I'm in a professional environment, and I need to appear my best. And to do that, I am using your product, and I'm proud of it as well. There is a odd sense of entitlement with the Spank community that I'm. I think it's so funny because it's like I spent over a hundred dollars to look slightly thinner. <laughs> With yeah. every outfit to, I've ever to worn. compress my body, yes. to yes. contort it right into something it's it's not right. Just to you know, it's also this idea that it's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm making it in business because these allow me to get more power by making my male boss hornier. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's not like instead of like, uh, maybe we should just have a place where uh, we should work on a place where you don't have to rely on the male boss being all horned up. Yeah. As a place of work. Why'd you get quiet there at the end, Andy? Because I'm thoughtful. Oh. <laughs> no, but that, that's exactly right. And I think that, you know, that the, with the conceit of the show, uh, are billionaires useful? In this case, it's like you're just making the entire spectrum of body image worse by creating this type of shit. And yeah. listen, I understand that, you know, as a guy saying this uh, who's who's who personally is morbidly obese, but not necessarily in the spectrum of uh, most ridicule when it comes to body standards, that it might seem hypocritical for me to say that, to, to be that outlandish about criticizing Sarah Blakely. But you know what? I, I'm not convinced that a good-looking white lady that wears thin underwear to make herself look even better isn't selling her image as part of the fucking reason why you should be buying her shit. If Sarah Blakely was an uh, overweight Indian lady, I don't think this shit gets off the ground. And I understand that might be uh, um, anti-white feminist of me, but I don't give a fuck. Listen. No, yeah, be be anti-white feminist. Because <laughs> it's fucking... Listen, the lady named her son Laser. Are you not listening to me? <laughs> this person is, is like in, inept in, in a lot of ways, and we've given her a billion dollars off the insecurities of women all around the world. But think about it, though. She got her start selling fax machines. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there are lasers in those. That's true. Like, maybe <laughs> she's true. just getting in touch with you the You know what? <laughs> She marries Jesse Itzler. You know, this is not... They get married because they both don't know how to play poker. That's like if me and my lady are driving somewhere and we get a flat tire and neither of us know how to do it and be like, well, you know what? That's why we're perfect for each other. Well, it's also... Collectively dumb. They also had one big thing in common, which is they made a lot of their money by asking the question, Where are the white women at? Yeah, it does like uh, it's also her rise kind of does highlight like the randomness of of billionaires. Like like there's it's just it's just a product, an emergent property of our system that some people attain that wealth more or less. Yeah, to a degree. It was someone like there's this like this like highly genderized uh, system of exploitation in women's garments. Right. That like. I mean, I guess that's not really random, but like somebody is going to take advantage of this yeah. to the point that they attain ludicrous wealth. Mm-hmm. Like that much is true about the fashion industry. Yeah, it was like she was able to say, OK, well, what if we uh, take all this progress since the Victorian age and throw it away? <laughs> right, right, right. And pretend it's more progress. Yeah. So I don't know, Yogi, if you came across this New York Times article, it was uh, titled Spanx tries to loosen up its image. Oh, no, no. Go on. Okay. Well, I don't know. I'd just like to close out some of the... By loosen up, uh, on one hand, it sounds like they're trying to say, like, oh, we're not going to be the 
skinny heteronormative idea, but it also sounds like they're trying to make their image more along the lines of anywhere I go, a fly girl will please me. <laughs> East to West college girls are easy. Spanks, they're for loose women. <laughs> Real quick, Stephen. Um, uh, you know, there was another company made by uh, one of the women from the Real Housewives called Yummy Tummy Pants, and Spanx sued them in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> so Spanx is not only the uh, monopoly leader on Spanx, but also if you want to come with Yummy Tummy, they'll cut you the fuck down. Well, actually, like, okay, these days they have some competition from, oh, like, really? yoga, like, the Yoga Pants mm-hmm. Industrial Complex. Um, <laughs> the YPI. Yeah, <laughs> like Lululemon, right? You know, all those groups are kind of edging, edging up against them. Oh, I've been edging to Lululemon for a long time. Yeah, I own that stock in the in the game, <laughs> <laughs> in the stock market game. Yeah, right, right, right. Oh, no, you, yeah, you made some yeah. great games in the Best Brokers app. Yeah, yeah. I'm still waiting for the Euro Shout tank. Out. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's Shout out to Best Brokers app. If you wanted to compete with us on stocks, please download the Best Brokers app and add yeah. us on there. Well, anyway, uh, this uh, this New York Times article is like kind of uh, it saying my age, and I just said I'm 12 or younger because mm-hmm. they want to tailor. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, they said, comp- "quote Compression is just so 15 years ago," said Jackie Stafford, a fashion editor and celebrity stylist in New York. Hmm. "Quote Women today just don't want to be squeezed into something uncomfortable. They're more, they're much more comfortable in their real bodies." <laughs> and and then it goes on to actually. It, Quotes, Sarah. We're going to do something revolutionary. Uh, <laughs> we're going to turn our clothes back into all the other clothes. <laughs> right, right, right. We've noticed that squeezing the shit out of our clientele isn't as comfortable as we thought it was going to be. What we're going to start doing is making clothes that fit. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes, uh, just to like kind of close this out a little bit on my end at least. So this, this article, go- I thought this was funny. It says, shapewear is just outdated. It's just not cut for modern clothing. There's virtually no innovation that's gone into these products, except for something that's restrictive that's literally holding women back. <laughs> Wait, was this an announcement from the Spanx company? No. No, this is oh. article. This is yeah. like a fashion critic. Oh. <laughs> that's fucking gold. Oh, and also at some point, I just wanted to add that um, in an interview um, that Sarah Blakely did with some fashion magazine, mm-hmm. um, she said like something to the effect of uh, like... Don't like don't don't let your insecurities or something hold you back in in pursuit of your career. Trust your gut. <laughs> 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 entire entire product is based around not trusting your gut and yeah. being really insecure about it. Right, yeah. right. Trust your gut that has been so compressed that your intestines <laughs> have started eating themselves in order to <laughs> Trust your gut, the device that literally removes your kidneys without you trying. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's great. That's all I got. Well, I think it's time we saddle up this rodeo. I do want to say that the uh, votes are in from people ranking us five stars on iTunes, and I want to thank everyone who did. Also, uh, keep doing that. Uh, the votes have been almost unanimously more drops. So I guess this we're going to have I love having the support of real billionaires. Where are the white women at? I love having the support of real billionaires. I left the drop Where keyboard the at? within reach of Yogi. And as Anywhere much as I go, girl he complains about having me. to edit out the drops, once he can get <laughs> his hands on it. That's stupid. That's number one. Bob Dole. <laughs>
I love having the support of real billionaires. I'm a socialist. I'm so sorry. I'm... And with that, this one, Grouch Takers. Uh, my name's Yogi Pollywall. Steve Jeffers. I'm Andy Palmer. Uh, come over to us for the Patreon. We're doing James Dolan, the owner of Madison Square Garden and uh, Rocker. Sean McCarthy will join us next week, and maybe so will you. trying to get a cool scoop, a cool headline. No, listen, all these women that talk about space, it's awesome. Does it also help when, say, um, you know how they say this celebrity caught out in Spanx as almost like a negative thing, not that I see it that way. Does that, does that help as well? Like, every time those stories come out, it, it must help market and push the brand. Yeah, absolutely. Spanx is a word of mouth brand. I mean, for yeah. 16 years, we didn't advertise at all, and it was all word of mouth. So it yeah. was women loving the product that much that they talked about it in public. And, totally. And flash, a lot of people flash their Spanx. I know, I know. Last question, I promise. I get flashed everywhere I go. Oh, you do? I do. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> um, am I allowed to ask a girl if she's wearing Spanx, or is that rude? Oh, absolutely. You are? Yeah. Okay, great. Go for it. Hey, thank you so much, Sarah. Bye. Great to meet you. Nowadays, people aren't interested in art that's not tattooed on fat guys. I'm on loan from the Louvre. She's queen of the frauds. Because chicks put on these spanks, and then when they take them off, it's a totally different experience. Another weapon in the chick fraud arsenal. Deception. Decepticons. Yes, the Transformers are awesome, but right now we're discussing fraud, which is also running rampant in the animal kingdom. These guys in Argentina are giving steroids to ferrets and selling them as toy poodles for 150 bucks. Um, I had something else I wanted to get to. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Go um, to it. It'll come to me. You know, Hitchcock, when the writers would get stuck in a moment, he would tell like a long, boring story. And one writer at first was like mad that he would do that. And then like every time he'd finish, after like 20 or 30 minutes, like the stories would be crazy. They'd be like, oh, you know what I remember back in the day? Was that me, Johannesson? Mr. Chalmers, Bidsby number one, <laughs> Bidsby number two. These are all we names. We all went to the store. These are all names of actors and the birds. <laughs> they're they're <laughs> specifically the birds that they cast in the birds. <laughs> Most of his stories are about hanging out with birds from the birds. All I know is Bidsby one was more confusing than Bidsby two, but. <laughs> 
I looked at Bidsby 2 sometimes and thought it was Bidsby 1. Where the writer's like, oh, wait, this is Orson Welles I'm talking to. <laughs> <laughs> Hitchcock's down the hall. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, nice. 